together. This is probably one of my favorite chapters of Scripture. I've probably uh, studied, preached, taught, talked about Romans chapter 8 probably more than any other chapter of Scripture because of the freedom that it gives the Christian and what it teaches the believer, what it teaches you and I about this issue of freedom. Listen, I've entitled this series Freedom because of this. Listen, please grab this. Some of you, you may need to write it down. Life is too short to be destroyed by your past. Life is way too short to be destroyed, to be crushed by your past. Romans chapter 8 is this chapter about what happens when people come into a relationship with him to when they're in Christ and the freedom that it gives. You see, if we're not careful, a word can shape you. A word can give you your identity. A word you can carry the rest of your life. Maybe it is a word that that someone spoke into your life that gave you great hurt or great pain or great discouragement. Maybe it is a word that came out of a season of your life that kind of defined a season of your life. You know, and so there's there's some words that we gravitate to that we like that kind of define us but but I got to tell you if you're like me there are some other words that if you're not careful if you carry those words around it will leave you feeling guilty and condemned some words like unloved rejected abandoned unwanted, unforgiven, failure, whether it's as a parent, a husband, a wife, a student, a child, bitterness, resentment, Anger, addiction, even though that's not a part of your life anymore, it was a part in the past, not a part anymore, addiction, adultery. How about one that the church has used to make a group of people feel almost unforgiven? Divorce. If you and I aren't careful, we can allow a word that we can carry, whether it's from childhood, our teenage years, college years, early adulthood, before we met Christ, we can allow a word to shape us, to define us. And if you're not careful, If I'm not careful, you can allow your past to crush you because of feelings of guilt and condemnation to where you really will limit what God can do in your life because you don't feel that freedom. You see, in Romans chapter 8, Paul gives us basically four words that now define us as believers. 
And the first one we're going to look at this this morning is, is just the word freedom or the word freed or the word or a couple of words set free depending on the translation you have and the Bible that you read from. It's, it's phrased all three different ways. But, but before we look at Romans chapter 8, let me just, we, we just got to set the tone because context is king in understanding scripture. There's basically five rules for, for interpreting scripture honestly and with integrity and all of those other things. And so the first three are the same. Context, context, context. Context is king. It's just like you cannot interpret an email that you receive by going to the middle paragraph or whatever and just reading that and not understand the context, who it's from, who it's written to, what the subject is about, and all of those other things. You cannot pull scripture out of context. It, you've got to look at the verses that come before it and after it. Context is important. The, the fourth principle is this. It cannot mean something different to us that it did not mean to the original audience. It, it just can't. And there's principles that we could pull out and all of those other things. And so, so it has to mean the same to us as the original audience. We may contextualize it to our culture and all these other things, but the basic principle is the same. And the last one is this, is that there are things in Scripture, well, a narrative is not normative. There's some things in Scripture that are, are, are normative, that everything that hap- every time this happens, this happens. But there are some things that are just descriptive, that that, that was a one-time event, like uh, the transfiguration. Okay? Did it happen? Absolutely. Will we get one? Probably not. It was, it, was, it was not normative. It was descriptive of what was happening. So to understand Romans t- uh, chapter 8, we have to understand the context. And so I'm going to start reading some verses in Romans chapter 3. I'm going to talk about the law. I'm going to talk about leading up to Romans chapter 8. And then we're going to look at this issue of what it means to be set free in Christ. What it means to be able to walk in freedom so that your past doesn't crush you and destroy you. See, Romans chapter 3, verse 20, Paul is writing, he says, For the works of the law, no human being will be justified. So Paul begins writing, he begins talking about the law versus Christ. The law, living to the law, being religious, and all of that other stuff. And Paul says, For the works of the law, no human being will be justified in his sight, since through the law comes the knowledge of sin. So what Paul is saying is this, you cannot be justified by the law because none of us can keep it. None of us can keep every letter of the law. And Paul says, even if you could, you couldn't be justified by the law. But the law does this. The law gives us an awareness, gives us a knowledge of how to live. The law gives us an awareness of a knowledge of what is sin. The, the law gives us a knowledge and awareness of right living. So I only have really two points for you this morning. The first one is this is that if we're not careful, we can be imprisoned by the law. And that's what Paul was saying. He's leading up and he's, he's building this case. And then Romans chapter 8 is just like this, this, this chapter of free, freedom and, and grace and, and understanding that if we're not careful, we can be imprisoned by the law because it's, it's not that the law is bad. It's just that we can't keep it. And so Paul tells us the purpose of the law is to define right living for us, is to define out for us what is sin, what is wrongful behavior, what is wrongful action. And so it's not that the law is wrong, it is that the law shows me wrong in my life. And so, listen, I wouldn't know I was speeding 
unless there was a speed limit sign, right? I wouldn't have, you wouldn't have any awareness that you're going faster than the law allows us to go unless there's a speed limit sign, right? Okay. But the speed limit law sign, even if it's posted, cannot keep you and I from speeding. We wouldn't know at an intersection that we need to stop or yield unless there was a sign that was posted. But that sign, it's powerless to cause us to stop or cause us to yield. And so Paul is saying, the law, it's not that the law is, excuse me, is not bad. It's the issue of this, is that the law can show you what is wrong. The law can show you how to live. But the law is powerless to get you to change. See, see, Paul, before he was a Christian, he was a, he was a religious person. He was a Pharisee. And he lived by the law. But what Paul says is this, is that the law left him guilty and condemned. See, religion will leave you guilty and condemned. Religion will leave you always that feeling that I just don't measure up. I'm just not good enough. I'll never make it. I may make it to heaven, but I'm barely going to get there. I may have to sit on the outer skirts, but I'll barely get there because I can't keep the law. And so Paul says that we have this danger of turning our faith into a religion, and it becomes all about about the law. And so Paul is talking about pre-Christian days before he met Christ and how he had to how he tried, he thought it was pleasing God in the law and the rules and regulations and all of those other things. And he said it left him guilty and condemned. And, and basically he says, I, when I found Jesus, I, I, I lost my religion. I had an intimate, personal relationship with him. And we run a danger in our day. That if we're not careful, we could become a lot like the Pharisees to where we take God's law and then we take some of our rules like the Pharisees did and we take some of our rules and, and then we kind of mix them together and then we say, you know, uh, that's what it means to be a, be a Christian. And Paul says there's no freedom in that. See, some of the problems with, with the law and, and rules keeping and religion and all of this other stuff is, is that it can give you a... Well, it can give you a false sense of superiority. You ever been around a religious person and they feel like that, you know what, I'm a, because I'm a better rules keeper to you, than you, I may hate my brother, I may hate my neighbor, I may think some horrible stuff, I may be a mean person and no grace, but because I'm a better rules follower than you, that I am better than you. you ever been around someone like that? And so here's what happens with, with rules keeping and Pharisees and religion and all of this other stuff. It can give you a false sense of superiority. I mean, it, it happens all the time in some churches that, that I'm in and you're out. I'm better than you and, 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 uh, you, and you're not as good as me. And if we're not careful, we could all fall into that. Um, uh, last weekend, I, I was away and uh, Pastor Steve and I on Wednesday, we, we flew out to, to Peru and we flew to Lima, Peru, and then we went to an area and, and uh, in a few weeks, I'll be talking about this in detail. It's just, it is so dangerous to process out a mission trip the, the, the following weekend. 
And so there are just some things that God did. There are some things that i got to process out. And God did some huge things in Lima, Peru. But we went to Lima, Peru. We traveled from Lima, Peru to a, to a village area that, that basically nobody wants. It's between, the village is between two municipalities. And, and uh, the people in the village are uh, refugees from the highlands, from the mountains area. They've come there. They're very, very poor. They're bricklayers and, and, and you know, it anyway. And as a result, nobody wants them. And so they have no running water and they have no sewage. And so we actually spent a few days with them and we've reached a relationship with a church there. And you know what? If I even just start talking about it, we, we won't get back to this, but uh, we have reached a relationship with them and we're going to help them. And we're going to help a whole region. And uh, it, I'm telling you, uh, it, it is going to be a cool deal. And so, but, but we did this with a group, and so we're, we're taking the area of Lima, and so we traveled with 17 other pastors from different denominations. And so th- that was fun in of itself. Um, let me just tell you, uh, with, with the coming of Christ, and Scripture talks about this, you know, the, 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 uh, what's going on in the Middle East and end-time stuff and all of these other things, uh, that denominationalism is kind of going away. Now, I am not saying denominations are going away. But what I am saying is this, denominationalism is going away in that used to only Baptists would work with Baptists or Methodists with Methodists and Presbyterians and you just didn't cross over because you just didn't do that. But right now, you are seeing this breakdown, not a bre- and it's, it's healthy, so I don't mean a breakdown, but you're seeing a breakdown of the walls. And so the 17 guys that are taking churches with us, uh, you know, around the area and everything, we're doing this all together. Um, I traveled with a Presbyterian, made tons of fun of him. He was my favorite. And, <laughs> and it's fun. Uh, you t- it was fun because we all agreed on the essentials. Who is Christ? What is salvation? Is the word inerrant? So we all agree on the essentials, and then we kind of laugh at the disputable matters. And so, and boy, did we. And so on, on the trip, we had a Presbyterian, we had a Methodist, we had a Church of Christ, we had a, a congregational church, we had a, a, a Christian church, you know, from the Christian movement. Uh, we had non-denominational, which is a denomination all in of itself, and we had an independent. And so we had all these guys together and, and ladies. And so when they did their very, it, I mean, it was cool. Uh, in the evenings to talk and, and process and out and everything. Well, we left Lima, Peru Sunday night at midnight because in Lima, all the, all the planes from the U.S. come in at 11 and they leave out at 12.50. And I don't know why that is, but it just works for them. And so anyway, so we had to fly out at 12.50. We flew all night, got in Springs at, at 11 o'clock on Monday. And so we knew it was a long flight. And so we, we got our seats, and of course, all 17 pastors, you know, we're all together, and, and, you know, and by this time, we know each other well, and so there's a lot of trash talking going on. And uh, Gary, one of the pastors, he had the same seat assignment as a female, uh, not, on our, not in our group. And so they call the, the stewardess, and the stewardess comes over, and Gary says, hey, you know, we got this problem, we got the same, same seat assignment. And so the stewardess goes, well, let me go check. She goes back to the galley, punches around on a computer, comes back and says, right, uh, Gary, I, I, I want to tell you that we've made a mistake. You're in first class. And he's like, are you serious? Because if you've traveled internationally, you know there's a huge difference between coach and first class. I mean, like, you get real chicken. And uh, <laughs> I'm telling you, there's such thing, if you don't know this, there's airplane chicken and then there's real chicken. And... <laughs> 
I think airplane chicken is tofu kind of mask as chicken. I don't know, but it's gross. And so, so anyway, so Gary's like, he's like, you can't be serious. She's I'm serious. And he's like, he's almost in tears. This is awesome. This is unbelievable. He's screaming. I can't believe this. Are you sure? It has to be a mistake. And she got so nervous. She's like, you know what? Let me go and check again. I'm like, you idiot. You're going to talk yourself out of first class. And so she comes back and she says, you know what? You need to get your things. I checked. You're in first class. I'm taking you to your seat. And he's like, he gets up, almost hugs her. And she, she kind of stepped back and said, high five's good. And so they <laughs> say high five. He's like, I can't believe this. this is an answer to prayer. This is unbelievable. And so here's what Gary does. So he gets his stuff out of the overhead uh, bed and he turns to me and he goes, Charlie, don't try to get in first class. We don't allow your kind in first class. <laughs> And he's walking away, and I'm thinking, you're ridiculous. And I, I am. I'm telling him, you're ridiculous. Are you serious? You didn't even pay for that ticket. You, you, got, you didn't even pay for that ticket. You don't even deserve to be there. You, you got that thing free. I mean, because of their mistake and all this other stuff, you don't even deserve to be there. And so Gary's like laughing, and he's going on. And that same thing happens in churches every week. Man, we go to church and we meet Christ. And we're forgiven. And we got grace. And we got acceptance. And we're like, are you serious? You forgave every one of my sins? Someone else paid the sentence for me? I didn't deserve it. I didn't earn it. It wasn't based upon my actions. It was what somebody else, Jesus Christ, did for me? Are you serious? And we're just happy to be there. And then we're in church long enough to we learn some Bible verses. We get pretty good at finding different books of the Bible. We learn some songs. We learn the routine. We meet some people. We have some friends. We have some influence with some people, and we know them. And then if we're not careful... We start looking at other people. We don't allow your kind. You don't deserve to be here. I know your reputation. I, 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 hello, I work with you. I know how you act in the company. I know how you are in the community. See, Paul was saying the harshness of rules keepers, the harshness of religion is people come to the point and it gives them a false sense of superiority to where they believe, you know what? I'm better than you because I now know the rules. I may hate my brother. I may hate my neighbor. Love of Christ may not be in me, but I'm better than you because of the rules. Rules keepers, Pharisees, religious people, it can give you a false sense of security that you can believe that I have a relationship to God and eternal life one day because I can keep some rules. And I work hard at keeping some rules. Romans 2.17 says, but if you call yourself a Jew and rely, re rely on the law and boast in God, and so what, what Paul was trying to get them to understand that, that you like labels, that just because you call yourself a Jew does not mean you have a relationship with Jesus Christ. 
And there are some religious people that love labels. And because I'm a Methodist or because I'm a Baptist or because I'm a, a Catholic or because I'm a Presbyterian or because I'm non-denominational and because I go to church, I have a relationship with God because it's all about the rules. It can give you a false sense of security. Jesus talked to a group of Pharisees. He said the day, and in telling a parable. And he looked at them when they were coming in to, the, to heaven, the kingdom of heaven. And he said, depart from me. I like never knew you. Most sobering verses of scripture that I believe. Now understand a Pharisee. A Pharisee was great at the rules. A Pharisee memorized usually the first five books of the law, the first five books of the Bible. A Pharisee uh, gave over a tenth of their income. A Pharisee was in church every weekend. A Pharisee led life groups and Bible studies and went on mission trips and, and uh, did all of those things. And Jesus has said, well, wait a minute, depart from me. I like never knew you. And that's why they come back and say, well, wait a minute, didn't we prophesy in your name? Do you realize that's preachers? Can I tell you, even if you're a pastor and you do not have a relationship with Christ, you won't enter into heaven. It's not on the rules. It's not on the regular. None of us can live up to every letter of the law. Didn't we prophesy in your name? Didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't we do miracles in your name? Didn't we keep all the rules? And Jesus said, wait a minute. You never entered into a relationship with me. You thought it was all about the rules. See, another thing about the, 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 the law is not only is it, is it give you superiority and not only will it give you a false sense of uh, uh, security, but the law is powerless. Romans seven fifteen. For I do not understand my own actions, for I do not do what I want, but I do the very thing I hate. Paul is saying, before Christ, I was powerless to make, make any changes in my life. The very things that I said I'd never do again, I did. The very things that I said that I want to do, I wasn't able to do. The law is powerless to make you change or to get you to change. The, Paul is, the, the, the law is ineffective at that. Fact is, Romans chapter 7, 47 times you see the words, I, me, myself. The law focuses on self. It's all about what you could do, all about how you do, the laws that you keep. It's all about you, me, myself, and I. And Paul says that it's powerless and we will never change like that. And you almost grab hold when you look at that verse, just the frustration in Paul's life. You see, the secret of the Christian life is not learning to live the life in your own strength, in your flesh. The secret of the Christian life is to have a relationship with Jesus Christ so that he lives through you. See, that's the difference of religion and a relationship. Romans chapter 1 and uh, 12, 1 and 2. There's a transformation that happens when you come into a relationship with Jesus Christ. Jesus Christ wants to change you from the inside out. Yes, it could be a slow process. Yes, it's a process. But he changes you from the inside out. Religion is this. Religion is external. Relationship is internal. Religion is external to where, where you want to change yourself on the outside in. It would only bring you frustration and condemnations. How many times have people said, I will never do that again, and they do. I will never say that again. I will never behave like that again. 
I will never fall into that ever again. And they do, because the law is powerless. It is only through the power of Jesus Christ that can break those strongholds in your life, can break those patterns in your life. It is not living in the flesh. It is not trying harder and working harder and keeping the rules better, but it is learning to come into a relationship with him, connect with him through his word and allow him to live through you in his power. Romans seven twenty four. you just, you just see his feelings. He says, what a wretched man that I am. Who will deliver me from this body of death? Who will deliver me from religion? Who will deliver me from rules and regulations that I cannot keep that always leave me feeling condemned? And fact is, you can see words like depressed and disappointed and discouraged in Paul's life. And Paul said, I cannot even live up to God's standard, much less my own. Have you found that true in your life? I can't even live up to my standard, much less God's. Paul is totally frustrated. He says, I can't live up to my standard. I can't live up to God's standard. And he's pleading, who will deliver me from this lifestyle? Who will deliver me from this body? Who will deliver me from these rules and regulations to where I feel guilty and condemned all the time, to where I feel like no matter what I do, I just don't measure up. I just feel like I always fall short. Verse 25 in, in Romans chapter 7. Thanks be to God through Jesus Christ our Lord. So then, I myself serve the law of God with my mind. But with my flesh, I serve the law of sin. And this leads us to the, the very best news of the morning. Christ sets us free. There is not freedom in the law. There is not freedom in religion. There is not freedom in, in looking like God grades on, a, grades on a curve, and at least I'm better than so-and-so. Romans chapter 8, verse 1, watch this. There is therefore now no condemnation, none, no condemnation for those who are in Christ Jesus. This word condemnation is an interesting Greek word. It's a forensic term. It's a, it was like a legal term. It, it, it was a term that was used that, 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 uh, that painted the picture of a sentence and an ex execution because of a crime. That because the crime was committed, here's the sentence and here's the execution. Paul is sad. There is no sentence, execution for the crimes that you committed, the sin, when you're in Christ. None. Therefore, there's no condemnation. If you're feeling guilt and you're in Christ, I'm telling you, guilt is not of God. There is no condemnation, there is no guilt for those who what? Are in Christ Jesus. Paul used this phrase to describe believers. In fact, it was his most popular phrase. In Christ, in Christ, in Christ. 164 times in all of Paul's letters. He used that term. 
Paul starts out with in Christ in Romans chapter 8. It's like bookends, and please don't miss this. Romans chapter 8 starts out with in Christ. It ends up with nothing can separate us from the love of God. Religious people, rules followers, believe when I don't live up to my standard or God's standard, God doesn't love me. He loves rules followers. He loves people that are good at keeping rules. Paul, no condemnation for those that are in Christ. And ends it up with nothing. Nothing means no circumstance, no action, no situation, no act, no person that can separate us from the love of God that is in Christ Jesus. Verse 2, he goes on and says, For the law of the Spirit of life has, here we go, freedom has set you free. Set you free in what? Set you free in Christ. From the law of sin and death. And Paul is saying, before Christ we were condemned and in Christ we are not condemned. Before Christ we were guilty. In Christ we are covered by him. We are hidden by him. In Christ, no guilt. Before Christ, we were imprisoned, we're enslaved, we're in bondage. In Christ, (laughs) we're free. There is freedom, freedom from the guilt, freedom from the, the condemnation. And he talks about how this took place is being in Christ. See, this is what separates Christianity from every, every other religion in the world. Anybody that says the statement that, well, all religions are the same. They're intellectually lazy. Anyone that makes that statement, you know they haven't read about all the different religions in the world to find out that that is absolutely, positively not true. But this is what separates Christianity from all the other religions in the world. Buddhism, with its path to Enlightenment depends on the performance of the person. Hinduism, with its doctrine of, 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 of karma and le- levels of, and phases of, of reward, are all based on the performance of the individual. Islam has a strict moral code and a strict religious code. And it has to be kept to the letter to, to, to get to paradise. I'm on a plane one time, and a Muslim guy is sitting next to me, and so we have this conversation. I'm saying, well, how do you get to paradise? And he says, well, you, you keep the moral law, and you, you keep the religious law. And, says, and so I ask him, I said, do you have any assurance of salvation? He says, what do you mean? What do you mean? I don't understand. I don't understand assurance of salvation. I said, well, well what happens when you die? Let's say you die, and you keep every letter of the law. Do you make it? He says, oh, it depends if Allah is in a good mood or a bad mood that day. <laughs> All right, well, what kind of deal is that? Let me tell you about mine. 
what separates Christianity from every other religion in the world. It is something that somebody else, Jesus Christ, has done for us. Because he went to the cross, because he died and bled on the cross, because of what he has done for us. My friend Gary in the airplane, he made it to first class. Not because of what he had done, but because of something someone else did for him. We are in Christ, we are forgiven, we are set free from our past. Not because we've kept better rules, not because we're better than anyone else, not because we've worked harder than anyone else, but because of what Jesus Christ did for us on the cross, on our behalf. Yes, there was a a crime that was committed. Yes, there was an execute. Yes, there was a sentence that had to be carried out. And God did not look at our sin and look at our crime and say, I know you're guilty, no big deal. It is a big deal. And he said, here's what I'm going to do. I'm going to send my son, Jesus Christ, to the cross. Because there has to be an execution. There has to be a sentence. On your behalf. If we're not careful, we make Christianity all about the rules and regulations. And and it takes the life out out of our relationship with him, right? I mean, 27 years ago when I, when I got married, I got married in a church and, and I stood up and, and there were some rules that were discussed, right? And some things that I would keep, some things that Karen would keep, that, that I'd, I'd love her as long as we both shall live and that I'd be faithful to her and I'd protect her and care for her and, and all those other things. And, and if we're normal, we all get married and we find out, you know what, there's some unwritten rules of marriage as well. And so, uh, and not that that's a bad thing, but, but what would it be like in our relationship if every evening I came home and all the rules were, were like on this checkboard or this poster board of, of the house? And Karen sat down and says, you know what? I'm going to go over the rules with you and see how well you did today. <laughs> Can I just tell you this? This is just for free. Sometimes in our marriages, that's why the fun goes out of our relationships and our marriage. Because it's rules-based. We get married and we're just so happy. I like, can't believe I married up and can't believe you married me. And, and I'm just so happy. And then years later, we got all these rules and regulations. And you do this, I do this. If you don't do this, I do this. Same, and true and, same is true in Christianity. See, what happens is the law is still intact. The law still shows us what sin is. But when you're in Christ our motivation changes. We don't keep the law to get God to love us more. He's going to love us. Our motivation changes. When we flew, we flew to a pastor's conference and on from a pastor's conference to Peru, and I bought Karen at some of her favorite worship CDs at the pastor's conference, and, and then when we were in Peru, it's a little bit harder to find gifts when they don't have any running water and all of that stuff. And, and so I, I bought her some Peruvian coffee that's just unbelievable and filled up a, a carry-on bag and took it back. And, but I didn't bring it back to get her to love me more. I didn't bring it back to get her to let me back in the house. <laughs> I brought it back in his expression for my love for her. So the motivation changes when we're in Christ. Some of you this morning, 
you need to be set free.